Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to episode 18 of the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and joined as always is my co-host, Josh, prequel hater, Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? And this week, we're joined by our guest, uh, 22-year-old filmmaker, TikToker, and YouTuber, Sinjin Chapman. Welcome to the show, Sinjin. Hey, how's it going? Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, I'm 22. I'm a, an aspiring filmmaker. I'm a senior in film school right now, and I have a TikTok, and I have a YouTube where I talk about movies and pop culture and stuff. It's... Uh... Really great to have you on. We've been like mutual in TikTok for like months now. It's like nice to actually have you on the show now and talk about our love of film. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can I ask, are you talking about the Star Wars prequels as me hate prequels? Prequels in general. You hate prequels. Ah, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Star Wars prequels? Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, so normally every episode we go through a different Disney Channel original movie or DCOM for short, and we'll see you in a short period of time. The biggest media company on earth, Disney, caters towards solely children with a large sample size and we'll see any quality changes, et cetera. This episode, we did we talk about Up, Up, and Away, which is a superhero film, and that'll be inserted right here. We interrupt your podcast with Sinjin, our guest, to bring you Up, Up, and Away. Wow. Like I said in the, a minute ago, this is actually being inserted in the middle of a recording. This is recorded days later. What do you mean? This is recorded at the same time. Crazy. Our guest disappeared? Of course. Or just being very quiet. Exactly. We will get back to the news with Sinjin right after this. Until then, we watched a digital original movie, Josh, called Up, Up, and Away. The last one we watched was Horse Sense. This one's different. Yeah. The basic plot of this is Sky High and Incredibles 2. Oh, but very cheap costumes. Ah, and worse performances. Yeah. This villain has no flair. No. No style, nothing fun, but baggy shirts, that's all he needs. Look, the style of the early 2000s is there, but overall, it's a very... This is the first decom of the 2000s. And their first time doing a superhero movie. It's not great. Maybe their last. Yeah. I don't know. Josh, what do you think happened in this movie? So, uh, superheroes all exist in this world. It's a fairly normal thing. And this kid, his par- his whole family has superpowers. Little sister has laser eyes. His brother is very fast uh, and also has lightning. His dad is called the Bronze Eagle. He could fly and has strength and stuff. And his mom, she has speed, but only on the bike and strength. Uh, he has not had his powers. He is the uh, black sheep of the family. He is a disappointment because he does not have his powers yet. But when he begins to think, hmm, I can lie about this, 
it gets them into a world of hurt when super when well not super villains when bad people decide they're going to use um how do i put this mind control computer discs mind control computer discs to make the earth greener to take over the world no 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 they trick someone i think to program it to in their eyes make the earth greener still so the villain brilliant randy's best randy is the best character we watched this with our roommate who had not watched any of the previous decoms because they were just curious what it was like. Like, this is a fun one. And yeah, it is fun. It's just yeah. like, eh. I wouldn't say I had fun. I was just present. It's this one, I think, is the er, one of the earlier target demographics age wise than the other ones. But this was also, this came out the same year as X-Men, but we, but I think in like January, so before X-Men had come out. So the template of how to do superhero movies well didn't really exist yet. There were ways to do it, but this film clearly wanted to do its own kind of thing. I think this is still a good step for superhero movies from where it was in time. Uh, previous movies, we have like the 90s uh, Fantastic Four movie, which I've seen most of, and that's interesting. We have like the old like 70s, 80s Captain America, like trying to do especially for like a kids movie kind of budget they did it's okay i wouldn't recommend it to children no there are superhero movies aimed for children i think it's also was made for toddlers this one's i think this one was made for like little children but it certainly happened yes do we want to talk about uh no before we get started with being sandy I'll talk about some of the filmmaking process behind it. There are many times in the film where a character either says or does something, but it happens off screen. But it's a thing that we should see. Like one of the first instances was the kid is practicing soccer in his room. His dad opens the door to like, you know, walk in and say hi or whatever. He kicks the ball to his dad. Uh, we hear the dad get hit and fall down, but we don't see it. Don't now, why that. do we not see that? I don't know, but they clearly forgot some shots and they do this many times. I don't remember any of that. That's fascinating. Yes. Basic plot. So we just, the crux of the story is this kid is supposed to get his powers when he turns 13. 14. 14. Why is the, the his little sister able to have her powers so young? That's not explained. because Well, it's not supposed to happen at 14, but it's like by 14. By 14 is when it should happen. That's going to suck. Um. So the plot, the story starts really at, he's at his middle school with his friend, Randy, and the soccer girl who, who he likes, who yes. likes him. They have, but it's the kids rivalry like, I hate you, I hate you. Secretly, I like you, secretly, I like you too. It's like Helga and Arnold. Crazy. You know, Hey Arnold. I was about to ask who that was, and then I realized. <laughs> just, just Helga, just some random girl named Helga. That's why I was confused. They're at school, and then uh, this like CEO, tech billionaire, like Lex Luthor type, who's not at all like Lex Luthor, but like they, they, they're clearly modeling off that evil billionaire idea. But instead, this guy is like, we just wear his baggy t-shirts and little billionaire in millennial form. She was certainly something. Uh, and he comes to the school to give a presentation and have these kids test this new software. It's just homework for them, basically. But they just put their new disc and test and see if it works and how and report back. That's the idea. And they do it every day or week. It's kind of unclear the timeline. Um, the discs are, the company is testing mind control. The idea is that their, um, their programmer made a disc. They told the programmer, we're going to use this to help make the earth greener and better and better and more healthy and we're going to now save for, the trees. For context, she knew this was mind control as well. Yeah, because the first test was just to have them all wear blue. Nothing more than that. And it worked. That was fine. But the fact that no one was just like, this is very weird. Right. So that's why I think that um, like she was more on board because it was just small mind control, I guess. Mm. Not that it's better. I mean, it, it, it's better a little bit. But anyway, 
of course, mind controlling children is not a great plan in general. Don't mind control your kids. I know if you if you have the ability to do that, don't do it. If you are, why? I I want to know how you're doing it though. I'm kind of curious. I don't think we need this information spread on our podcast. Anyway, the billionaire is like, we can we can do so much good things with this, but then he realizes that one of the kids' parents is superheroes, a bronze eagle, and fast woman. I don't know. I don't know if they said her name. They probably did. I don't think they did. And so he's like, let's give that kid a special disc and have him uh, specifically get it to his parents. And they switch the discs and it's, oh, crazy hijinks. We know it was him, though. It happened. Their, their weaknesses of superheroes is tinfoil. Stupid. The first instance we learn of their weakness is tinfoil. Uh, the friend Randy comes over. It's in the morning. He's like, we got to go to school. And the kid's like, oh, OK. By the way, here's some zucchini bread for your family. The the whole family like just like backs up out of fear from it. I first thought that it was zucchini bread, that they were like allergic, that like zucchini was their kryptonite. <laughs> and I thought that's stupid, but it's tinfoil. Still very stupid. It's, it's fine. How are they supposed to learn that tinfoil is a weakness? At least kryptonite is very specific and makes sense in the lore. This is tinfoil, a thing you buy at the grocery store. I don't know, man. Spider-Man, Superman, all of them exist in this world. Yeah, it's a, we'll, we'll touch on that. So uh, at one point, Grandpa, the main kid, who's a really cool character. He's the one good person in this movie. He's also a bit of an idiot. Yeah, but he's a good person. Yeah. So the grandpa says, oh, we just had uh, dinner with Mary Jane and Peter and, and Spider-Man. Like, we did what? With who? They also mentioned Fantastic Four. And Superman. Yep. As well as Clark Kent. Yep. So, like, literally whoever wrote this and made it did not know that there was a difference between the two universes. And also, I guess, DC and Marvel at the time was just like, who cares? You could reference a very little time in movies. But this is specifically about superheroes, yeah, though. That is weird. Like, uh, Kick-Ass, like, gets away with it because it's set in the real world. Yes, there are, quote-unquote, superheroes in there, but it's still set in the real world. You can say Superman almost any media, almost anything. Even Superman. Like, Spider-Man and Eternals both mentioned um, Superman by name. You're not Superman, you know. And then it's like, oh, are you Superman? No, there's someone else, forever. Spider-Man, yeah, that one I don't get. Well, no, never mind. But the same it's... thing. Superman is big enough. It's, it's like saying Jesus in a thing. Now you, you can just do that. Which is crazy. That Superman has Jesus status? Well, I mean, cool. also, like, in the comics that, like, DC Comics exist in Marvel trouble and, and Marvel Marvel's, versa. Yes, which is also kind of fun. Um, plot. It's there. It's just, it's not... The big. worst part of the plot, it, the saddest part of the plot, is that there's a giant party with all the superheroes in town, and this little kid is trying to explain to his dad, I don't actually have powers yet, and they keep cutting him off and not letting him explain that, so he has pressure to just lie. And they all force him to try and go save a woman from a burning building. He, he successfully does. With a bit of a mishap. Yeah. Um, it's like, this is hard to watch, but like, it's fine. Also, it is very evident that they just grabbed some random costumes from parts from parts of different sets. Like, there's just a guy that's like a Roman soldier, like, and there's a guy just like with big, giant, puffed up chest. I think I saw someone that looked like a detective in there. And this is just in a normal suburban neighborhood. So like, how... Does that work? Do they all just like take a taxi and walk through the front door? How does this work? Yeah. That's nonsense. They're both very bad and also somehow very good at hiding their identity. The best performance in the movie was in the second half from Randy. It was a kid, <laughs> the best friend Randy in the first half was like, I didn't hear it kind of annoying. The second half is he goes batshit insane and he goes along with the whole superhero thing. And it's so much fun watching him have chaos. It was funny. Uh, there's a part 
um, in the chaos uh, near the end. Um, he's just he's just saying like uh, random noises and stuff. It almost sounded like he said the N word. He didn't, but it almost sounded like because I don't of how, know fast how you he, heard of that. I I wasn't the only one that heard it. Owen also heard it. I heard nothing. So, yeah, you're nay. I'm gonna mean nay. This idea has been done better, but like even in context of the time, like it's still not entertaining. It's not that interesting to watch. If I was eight years old in 2000, I might be like, this is kind of fun. I'd be like, can I put on the Spider-Man cartoon, Mom? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, this movie is more confusing in, the, in the, the world itself. I want more information about the superheroes and how it works. It's a little odd. Yes. I will say, I am happy that they sucked to their guns and didn't give ca- the kid powers by the end of the film. That was the best part. Um, Sky High couldn't even do that. And I love no. Sky High. Well, Sky High it happened pretty early on. Yeah, but like both powers still. Like you, did, you didn't need to give them all. Like, it's, it's fun. Sky High is fantastic, though. Yeah. This it's weird how that movie holds up so well. Our next movie is The Color of Friendship. That's an which interesting has one I've heard of. Won an NAACP award. Yes. It has won numerous awards for the way it tackles racism around kids. And so curious because the poster looks like it's going to be either be fantastic or hella racist. I'm leaning towards fantastic at this point. Yeah, from what I've heard, it is, it is the fantastic. <laughs> it's from what I've heard. Now, the actual quality of it. I don't know, but as far as the representation talking about that stuff, I heard it's pretty good. Which is so fascinating, because it's still the year 2000, and it's Disney, and they've made interesting progress in the world at times. It's very clear at this point in time, they're just throwing random money at random things, just being like, what's going to stick, and what isn't? Remember, in the year 2000, they made 12 DCOMs. We'll get to all of them. Just give it a minute. We'll get there eventually. Anyway, uh, hey, Sinjin. We're talking to Sinjin now. Sinjin Chapman, he's a dude. Go check out his TikToks. Here we are with him now. Welcoming to the stage, Sinjin Chapman. Woo! Is it time to go back to the news, Sean? That was a transition. Oh, there, there was a transition. That's why I just edited two of them. But isn't this a transition now? This Sinjin! Is, he's back! This, this is called a bit. No, I was being completely real just at each time. Welcome back to say hi, Sinjin, Josh. He's back. So, ow, we're here. Cool. What a good discussion. What a discussion that was. <laughs> um, and then now we have the, the news, and then a main topic. And Sinjin, you've read your first comic book now, right? Yes, I have. Woo! What'd you read? Uh, it was Daredevil, Man Without Fear. Nice. You like it? Yeah, it was really, really good. Nice. Uh, I have actually not read. I know the exact story of what happens in it, but I never actually read. It. Is that the one by Frank Miller? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a cool story. It's about his origin mostly, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely need to read it. I stopped reading comic books a while ago because school started, and then I'm like, I need to get back on that. Mm-hmm. Like the freshman year of here, like senior year of uh, high school, I had Marvel Unlimited, so I just like read so much stuff, yeah. and then I stopped. Then I got DC Universe, and that was a thing, and then. That fell apart very fast. Yeah. What, what an idea for an app that was. That was poorly executed. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about some news that happened recently, including the first piece of news is that Doctor Strange 2 is officially being called to be two hours and six minutes long. What do you think of this? I think that it should be fine. Sam Raimi, I trust him as a filmmaker and that he'll tell what he needs to with this. And we've been getting a lot of really long movies lately, just <laughs> yes. in general. So to have something that's just like a crisp two hours, I'm fine with. I, I think that he'll, I think he'll do fine with this. 
I know a lot of fans have been like having an uproar about it's not three hours long. How could they? I'm like, just calm down. I need to pee in a theater. Please let me pee. Uh, I uh, I think that the two hour runtime is good because I think three hours would be too much, even though this movie is probably going to be jam packed with a bunch of stuff. We do have the first Doctor Strange movie. We have Endgame. We have No Way Home. We have the entire WandaVision series building up to this so there's not going to be a lot of exposition in this movie i feel like it's just going to start out right with whatever's about to happen you know yeah i am excited to see more of mordo as well who we have not yeah. seen since 2016 i'm i'm happy that they didn't just like cast him aside because i thought that like when it teased him as the villain at the end of the film that he wasn't going to show up in the sequel but they're actually bringing him back and that makes me very happy <laughs> so glad Overall, uh, we give news a yay or an a nay because all of art and film is subjective and it comes back to what we want to see in the world. Um, so I'm going to say yay. I want more shorter movies. And this is like not even a short. It's like a normal runtime. <laughs> I'll give it a yay too. I'm, I'm excited. I don't want Snyder cut length movies, please. <laughs> I'll give it a yay too. All right. And then next up on the news is that <laughs> last episode we, ta- we came out today, actually. Last episode we talked about um, Ezra Miller's arrests and the rampant chaos that happened it was mentioned because it affects franchises um and now we're talking about, talking about now the effect of the franchises that happened because officially it looks like wb has put a halt on ezra miller as yeah. an actor that's probably the wisest move to save face just in case because like you never know how this is all going to go down and like the flash has been in production for almost a decade now so like yeah. any chances of a sequel happening, we probably wouldn't have seen it for about 15 years. <laughs> so like what's really changing here? So the official news is coming from I think Rolling Stone. Let me double check that. Yes, uh, saying that Ezra Miller, um, WB said they won't be using them in any products going forward for now, at least until they reevaluate what's going to happen, happen to have like an emergency meeting about the future of both the Flash as well as Fantastic Beasts. I think the Flash is a very, very easy loophole to this problem. Uh, because it's about fixing the timeline all you can yeah. do is when, they, when the timeline is fixed to the end shoot one new scene with a new actor and say barry looks yeah. like now that's all you have to do mm-hmm. or say barry was a race and wally's there now and say what happened and go after that that's really easy to fix in universe fantastic beasts <laughs> i mean if they could recast Johnny Depp with mads mickelson and like probably no explanation they can do the same thing with ezra miller yeah yeah or to say that they're disguised now with magic going forward who knows the DC universe is so <laughs> in this weird nebula right now that they can recast anybody and it wouldn't really matter. <laughs> Out of their Super 7, which is actually six people, Henry's not really there anymore. Ben's not there anymore. Ray's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Ezra's not going to be there anymore. We have Gal and Jason. That's it. Out of their six league members. They're holding on by a thread with the, the DC. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. And I want to see them succeed. I like DC as, yeah. as like, these characters. I love to see them grow and flourish, but what? <laughs> but hey, they're bringing back Keaton for Batman. Why? <laughs> this man in his 70s, he cannot continue as <laughs> Batman going forward. When it was just the Flash, I was fine with it. Sure. But then casting him in Batgirl, I was like, okay, what's happening here? I said last time that he might be, there, there's a rumor now for their plan of DCU to lead up to a crisis on Infinite Earths movie. Mm-hmm. And then have that movie, that movie, they kill off Keaton and bring in Battinson as their new Batman. Mm-hmm. On paper, it makes sense. Like, as an idea. 
execution-wise. What would? What are you thinking? What is happening? E- emo Batman is just going to be like, what? What is happening? What, where's my Nirvana? <laughs> You've seen the Batman, right? Oh yeah, yeah, great film. I I think I don't know. I loved Batman. I loved the Batman, but I do think it works really well only as a solo project because I feel like his interpretation of Batman isn't really the leader type Batman necessarily. And maybe he can grow into that. Yeah, but it's he, like year three. Yeah. But I'm just saying like this, he has to go through some growth before he can become a, a leader or like a good member of a team like that. He still wears his sunglasses inside. He's got, he's got a bit of work to do. Yeah. So this Batman could get there in 10 years. Yeah. But give it a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ezra Miller being halted in WB, yay or nay? It, uh, yay, because it's a smart move, but like, get help, Ezra. I'll give it an indifferent yay, because we also don't know everything right. about the whole situation. I will say the funniest thing to come out from that was them drunkenly in a bar shouting, I know Dumbledore's secrets. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah, I think it was smart for them to halt just for, you know, PR reasons. Um We'll see what decision they come to with Ezra. Um, I'll give it an indifferent. Okay, yeah, I think that for this decision, they also might do what, what Disney did and WB did, like giving, like pushing actors aside for now, let them have some time to rebuild themselves, then like, we're rehiring you, like James Gunn style, yeah. depending on how bad or like, how much help they get. Like if they, if they actually, they could turn their lives around. We don't know, in, like RDJ, for instance, we saw their entire life change. Like things can happen, but give it time. Yeah. Let them sit away for a while and come back when they've had a break. I guess it's good that the Flash got pushed back to next year. So that gives it that gives them time. Like, yeah. Okay. Next up is about uh, recently a new game came out that you've played a lot. Mm-hmm. A Lego Skywalker Saga game. Yes. Have you played it at all yet? Do you have this game? No, I don't have it yet. I'm so jealous. I want to have this game now. It, it is a lot of fun. Um, anyone that loves Star Wars of any kind, whether it's prequels, sequels, original, whatever... There, there is something to enjoy. It is a lot of fun. It's also very funny, which I was very happy with. Hearing that some people are just like ignoring the sequel part of the game is wild to me. Like you, have, you bought a game and you're ignoring a third of the content because you hate, because like, yeah. <laughs> you hate Ray or whatever. What? <laughs> Insane. It looks really fun. Yeah, it does look fun. I um, remember I played the one of the Lego Star Wars from like the prequel era, and I remember having so much fun with that one. Uh, hopefully, I'll get it eventually. When I have money. <laughs> yeah, I understand the feeling. Um, I loved both original Star Wars games and the complete saga, which is both of them. Um, I missed the the no dialogue completely, just the the comedic energy of trying to come up with how to show what a scene is like without using words was always fun. I know you can have mumble mode on this where you can turn off the dialogue and have just mumbling, but they're still mumbling the dialogue and they're still yeah. so like the cutscenes didn't change around it. I don't know. It looks cool though. Yay on more uh, fun games for kids to enjoy Star Wars. Star Wars should be for everyone, not toxic yes. people. Like that one TikTok where they're calling Ray an interesting word, <laughs> which has gone everywhere now. Uh, yeah. I'm, 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 I made two videos on that video, and I, I, I'm already sick of it. I, I'm so done with seeing that video. I was going to, I have it saved to make a response to, like, I don't care anymore. I'm believing it. Yeah. Um, not needed. But yay, Star Wars. Here's news. Have you ever watched the Fast and the Furious series? 
I've seen two of the movies and I don't know which two. <laughs> if that tells you That's fine. how much I'm in the franchise. Uh, our... <laughs> One of you was Marlo get very upset with you over that. Yeah, oh, cut that part out. Don't let Marlo hear. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say I've seen one, two, four, five, six, seven. I think that's all I've seen. I, it was in a span of about two days. It was a fever dream and a blur. <laughs> They were like one movie of nonsense, and I don't know which was which. I do know <laughs> that at one point they drove a cars through skyscrapers in Dubai. That was that's that's the that's one of the ones I've seen. Nice. One, that one. I've seen that one. <laughs> I've seen one where someone dies by a plane. That was six. Cool. <laughs> I have seen. I might all, have seen that one too. I love the series. So the news about this is that Brie Larson is joining the Fast Fury uh, series in Fast Ten alongside Jason Momoa, who's also joining. He's As the, someone's brother, he is the villain. Oh, it's, people are joking that he'll be like another long lost sibling of Vin Diesel, uh, but there's no confirmation <laughs> on that yet. <laughs> I think Brie Larson should be also a villain. The long lost sister. <laughs> the long <laughs> sister. <laughs> he's he's already got a sister. Well, let's have another sister. Jason Momoa and Brie Larson are actually twin brother and sister, and they're the long lost brother and sister of Vin Diesel. <laughs> They've been in space. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I'm 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 gonna be a yay to Brilliant enjoying this. This is so much fun. The I love this series, and the more insane it gets, the better it gets in my eyes. And like having Jason Momoa and Brie Larson join, it's gonna be even more fun now. Every time we talk about this, I keep reminding people that this series started out with stealing DVD players. That was the first plot of the first movie. Is we we're stealing DVD players after drag racing, mm-hmm. and, and now they went to space in F nine. <laughs> I am fine with this. And there's a spinoff of their superheroes. Not well, sort of. It's weird, but yes. <laughs> um, but yay on Brie Larson doing anything. She's awesome, indeed. Yeah, I think both Brie Larson and Jason Momoa are great additions to it. They're both great action actors. Uh, I want to see Brie Larson bring the energy she did from Unicorn Store into this because that film was a nonsense fun blast. I want that again. I just want all of Jason Momoa's dialogue in this to be all of his like um, loud yelling from Justice League, like "My man, man! my man, <laughs> hell yeah." Uh, yay yay uh have you ever read or watched percy jackson i've read the first book of percy jackson i'm not a very big reader but i've read the first book and i've seen the two there are only two movies right Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen both of those i have i'm reading the first book right now Mm -hmm. i was reading it before this was like a huge show being announced i was like i'm casually picked up like this seems fun because i remember um as a kid in like third grade, I skimmed through it to read it for a class. I never read it for the class. Mm-hmm. I sat up reading it for the class. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, sure, I this one detail, I remember that. I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's the movie is different. Don't get me started on the that movie, movie is very different. <laughs> my favorite scene in the movie is still the casino scene. And yeah. at 10 years old, that was the first time I got mad at a movie because of how <laughs> different it was. I was yeah. just like, why are you doing this? And seeing Chris Columbus directed it, and he made the first two Harry Potter films, which are very accurate, and to go from that to this, that made me unhappy. I question more the writers than him. I, I don't, look, I don't know whose decision it was. The first film is not that good. Second film, surprisingly better. I, why was he like 17? Yeah. Because <laughs> you gotta yeah. get that. I, I want to see a child go through this trauma, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Show me the 13-year-old crying right now. <laughs> 
Uh, I, yeah, well, speaking of that, the, the news here is that Walter Scobell, who was yep. in the Adam Project uh, as young Ryan Reynolds, was just mm-hmm. cast as young Percy Jackson. He Why has young Percy Jackson. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <It's laughs> of a the correct of, of the correct age Percy Jackson. <laughs> I like that he looks, besides like dark hair, exactly like Percy. He has like the yeah. curly hair. He has like the youthful nature, um, obviously. But like he, I I have not watched Adam Project yet. Have you watched? You said you watched it. I, I watched it. He was fantastic in that. He very much played off a young Ryan Reynolds very well. Um, he's he's great at playing a smartass, but he's also great at like having a lot of part to him. So I think that he'll be great for Percy. I have heard him in interviews, and the amount <laughs> of just like bullshit sass he gives everyone is fantastic. It's so he, Percy. He has the entirety of Deadpool two memorized. I know it's great. <laughs> and I think the best part of it is that Percy Jackson is so different character wise from the book to the movie in personality. Like he is sassy, rude, like conceited, and like trying his best. And then, and then Logan Lerman is just like, I'm here. Let's go on an adventure. Just, movie, he's just like, what's going on? Why am I here? Who, who are you? Why am I here? And they had the following like weird, like little crystal balls in the movie that like guide them, like the Triforce. It's so weird. And this is just like, it's just like finding the Horcruxes and it works so well. I love it. Uh, the books of horror are really fun. I, there's some nonsense stuff in it for sure. Like, I don't know how a giant echidna monster was disguised in, as a dog or how um, the satyr hid his leg so well or the centaur who was in a wheelchair. The answer is carefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you enjoy the first book, though, you read? Yeah, I really, really loved it. I, I want to read more, but I have, like, really bad ADHD. All of my entire bookshelf is just a bunch of books with bookmarks in the middle of them because I just cannot finish a book to save my life but i love of what i read i loved it and i did go through a greek mythology phase where i was insufferable in middle school so uh yeah i did like the the books um are you happy with this casting i am i saw the adam project the adam he did really really good and they also cast what is probably then luke an actor posted on instagram a page of the script um and it had the, on there was percy grover and luke were the only dialogue and the actor was like 16 16 17 so he's probably getting luke cool i wish reading the book now i didn't know the spoilers from the movie because there's good setup that i'm like that would have been better if i just knew that yeah yeah uh, about like the stuff with luke mm-hmm. yeah um i also really am excited to watch this child go through this trauma because it's gonna be, I know what happens to this character in the series. I've been around for 20, 22 years. It's like, I get to hear, oh, like, oh that happens to this 12 year old. That's <laughs> the, the third book. Some insane shit happens, man. It's, and there, there's a lot. I'm excited to see in episode one or two of this child watch his mom get like destroyed by a, a minotaur. Oh, yeah. And like, and like in like the second episode, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> I think each season will be one of the books, by the way. That's, that's so. probably how they'll do it. Yeah, so that's, that's fun. smart. So yay, Walter Scope. Well, yay, Walker Scope. I Walter. Yay. Uh, next up is news about the MCU. There's always news about the MCU. It's never ending. Uh, Sam Bailey and Angela Barnes are set to direct the iHeart series for Disney Plus. Ryan Coogler will be the executive producer. So I don't know what they have directed, honestly. I am appreciating that there's not white men directing this yes, series. That's the plus. That is why I wanted this so badly. Ironheart, if you don't know, is a, a 16-year-old Riri Williams um after the passing of Tony Stark, inherited mm-hmm. some of the Stark tech and became her own Iron Man kind of character. And she's really cool yeah. and badass. And she like, leads some of the Avengers, like Young Avengers team, and it's really cool. And I enjoy having a, first off, any more representation is fantastic. She's a young black woman, and getting to see a young black woman be this awesome genius is always cool to see. Have you seen them directing yeah. anything before, Josh? Uh, I like that they, they mostly have done TV stuff. So Cool. Yeah, this works. Give them more chances to do mm-hmm. things. I love that. I want to find new directors all the time. I like the I like them directing it. I do wish it was a movie just because I feel like the movies get a little bit more attention in the shows and having this type of representation and seeing like Miss Marvel being on there. But I'm assuming it's going to eventually connect into a movie. So we'll see Ironheart on the big, big screen eventually, hopefully. I'm willing to bet there's a way because like Miss Marvel, she's going to be one of the main characters in the Marvels movie. Um, so mm-hmm. that'll tie in some at some point with that. And Ironheart, they've they've got plans, or maybe they don't. We don't really know how Marvel does it. It seems like yeah. they get on a whim, but they've been doing a good job with it being on the whim. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think most of the thing I don't want to make all these shows in the first place because I want them to be most of the movies. But so it's it's way easier to come up. It's way easier to keep up with two or three movies a year than it is to keep up with all these shows and all the movies. I know people have already dropped off the MCU because there's it's too much content now to keep up mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Or if you go to the theater twice a year, that's doable. But watching these weekly episodes, it's a lot. So I understand that. Also, she'll probably appear in Armor Wars as well, or like Secret Invasion stuff, which is also yeah. cool. I think wherever Don Cheadle goes, she'll probably end up going with the same places. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like a report that she was going to make her first appearance in some other show or movie first? Yeah, I think she's appearing in Armor Wars first. Okay, but... 
are, have they started filming it yet? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I'm not Kevin Feige. I have no idea what's in production now, what's already been filmed, what, when, where. I just know when the movies are coming out generally. And I watch them in theaters. Yeah, exactly. I think Kevin Feige's diet is just caffeine and cocaine. That's all it is. That's the only way that he can sustain all this somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Give us more good projects. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. Let's talk about Top Gun 2. I've not watched Top Gun 1, but the news is interesting. So the director shot 800 hours of footage, as much as the three Lord of the Rings movies together, for Top Gun 2 Maverick. I mean, it makes <laughs> sense because they filmed all of the, they filmed all like the jet and flying stuff practically, like that was all done realistically, and that stuff goes very fast, and it's very hard to get the accurate shots, so like, it makes sense. I'm not saying that it's insane, but I'm saying it makes sense in the very least. I think 800 hours is a little bit extreme for that. <laughs> Just my takeaway. <laughs> Well, we also don't know how long the film itself is yet. 800 hours long. It's in real time. That's, uh, a, that's a, certainly a choice. Have you watched the first Top Gun? Not yet, uh, but I've heard it's have like... Have you? No. Cool. I've, I've heard it's one of those like 80s classic movies, and I, I'll see it before the sequel comes out. <laughs> I don't like Tom Cruise, so I don't want to watch him in things. Yeah. He's kind of not my favorite person. But uh, the, the, the sheer audacity of saying we're going to make... As much footage as the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't think that was their intention. No. It just happened. <laughs> Who is the AD scheduling this? Yeah. What is their brain like? I feel so sorry for them. Just like, okay, we've done 12 hours. How many shots did we get? Six. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently one 12-hour day was 30 seconds of footage in the film. And that's... Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, I cannot handle that. Like, you've worked on film sets before, right? Yeah. How does it usually go for you? What do you mean, how does it go for me? Like, like uh, timeline-wise. How, how many shots do you use? Have you either stuff that you've directed or been on other sets? What's the timeline of how many shots you usually get done? Um, so the stuff I direct, I'm not a very, like, you know, do 50 million takes type of director. Um, so mine tend to be on the shorter side. I also very prepared all the time of course so uh it doesn't usually take me that long but when I was on like big sets I would like lose my mind with how many times they shot the same scene and um it just took forever on a lot of the bigger sets so yeah yeah. I've done sets to go 14 and 15 hours 16 hours Mm -hmm. that's too much um I also want sets to go like five hours. Like that's way better. Let's just have yeah. time. Uh, my sets, like, one day is usually about eight to ten hours because it's like a yeah. pretty standard, like industry standard. And I try and get as much done as I can one day. Mm-hmm. And then shit always hits the fan, and things always go wrong. You prepare as much as you can, and it's like cool. We weren't expecting these things to happen. Awesome. Yeah. Over or last weekend, I was DPing on a short film, and the entire film was set outside, oh. and. On the last day, the entire time before lunch, we didn't get a single usable shot because there were dogs barking and oh. kids screeching in their backyard. And we didn't get one shot with good audio. So then after lunch, apparently the kids went back inside and we just like, get the shot, get the shot, get the shot. Go, go, go. I'm giving this news a nay because I feel like despite doing things practical, that's still too much for Top Gun Maverick, a movie that is a sequel movie that came out like 30 years ago. 
I'll give it yeah. a day because it has now really piqued my curiosity. <laughs> okay. Like, will, when I see the film, will it have been worth it to have this much footage, like the amount yeah. that they've gotten? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like Avatar, like James Cameron's Avatar. Like, the wrong Avatar. There's still on. people excited for it. Like, I know I people like Avatar too. That's the thing. I know people like Top Gun. I know people like Avatar, but are they like super the excited? The better Avatar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think like the fans of the first Top Gun will obviously be excited for this, but like, you know, our generation, we haven't really seen Top Gun yeah. that much at all. So, like, anyone that sees it will be going more for Tom Cruise because of like the Mission Impossible films. Yeah. Have you watched um, anything with Emma Mackey in it before, Josh? Yeah. What are you watching there? Uh, Sex Education, great show on Netflix, and Death on the Nile, very met movie. Um, but <laughs> existed. But yes, Sex Education. If you haven't watched it on Netflix, very good. Uh, she's great in it. Um, and I love the fact that she's now casting the Barbie movie. That's the news. Uh, because a joke on the internet since Sex Education came out is that she looks just like Margot Robbie. And now she's in the market with Margot Robbie. So now it makes me curious. Is she playing like a other version of Margot Robbie in the film just for this one joke? Maybe it's what your Margot, Margot Robbie lookalikes who are all like just Barbie dolls. <laughs> Have you seen Emma Mackey in anything yourself? If I do, I don't remember. Let all right. See. Well, she's been cast in the Barbie movie. This movie is, no matter what I hear, is a yay for me because it's Greta Gerwig directing. It's a satirical Barbie movie about femininity, starring Margot Robbie. That's a cool premise to me. Yeah. I'm so down. I'm oh, yeah, I did see Ryan Death in the Nile. Roll again. You saw Death in the Nile? Yeah, that's what I've seen already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was fine. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was enjoyable. It, how long did it take you to figure out um, who the murderer was? Um, I don't think I've ever watched a murder mystery and guessed correctly. Uh, so never, I didn't figure it out until it actually revealed. I never get it, but I think I was so bored throughout the movie that I was just looking for anything. And like, I was just like, is it really these, is it really this person? It can't be. And then when it happened, I was just like, oh, it was, I guess. Oh no, that's a bad sign. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the mustache on, um, Kenneth Branagh though. I love that they gave him, gave the mustache a backstory. Wait, they did? They did. It's great. Yeah, the mustache has a backstory. Now I need to watch this movie for that one reason. <sighs> so yay on Emma Mackey joining Barbie. Um, yay. All right, and let's go to some Kevin Conroy news. That surprised apparently the whole internet. That he, people didn't know he was openly gay. I didn't. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's been openly gay for like over a decade or something now. Oh. Um, but Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy will be writing a segment to the DC Pride this year, a uh, comic special with Art by Ajit, Ajitya Bitikar. I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm so sorry. And Jay Bone. The second one is called Finding Batman, and it's described as a personal story. Conroy was one of the first openly gay men to play superhero, so it's going to have basically his own voice and the story of how he found the character and what the character's like. And that sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, that does sound cool. Um, yay. Yay. So, well, yay? Yeah. Cool. That's the news. Let's talk about the main topic today which is about movie masterpieces. So this comes from the idea that Sinjin on his TikTok page is doing a whole series about this on movies he's given five stars in Letterboxd, right? Or just in general? Yeah. Yeah. And so we get to see about what you think about movies and what you think are like perfect films. And let's discuss, because film is amazing and we don't appreciate it enough sometimes. So what is one of your perfect films, either of you? Um, I'll start off by doing something that- Morbius. <laughs> shut, shut up. 
one that I feel like that not enough people have seen or give enough credit for, uh, Paddington 2. And I mean this completely sincerely. I think that movie is a genuine masterpiece. It's, it's no Citizen Kane. It, it's better than Citizen <laughs> Kane. <laughs> Um, it is it is so heartwarming. It is so charming. The filmmaking behind it is so good. The jokes are immaculate. It's it's so it's great. And then what's his what's his face? Uh, Matt I. Moody, isn't it? Uh, he's amazing. It's just it's very very good. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. That's who he is. He plays his character is called Knuckles McGinty, and I love it. Love it. I've only seen the first Paddington, and it's great. I was like obsessed. Like like, like I don't think it was perfect for me. So is the second one better, you said? Oh, yes. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, what's the perfect film to you? Um, so uh, obviously that's a tough question. I'm going to go with Into the Spider-Verse because yep. I feel like one criteria, this isn't the only criteria for a perfect film, but one of them is doing every part of the filmmaking process amazingly, like sound, visual, right. cinematography, acting, like everything. And I feel like Into the Spider-Verse Every single gear in the machine of that movie is absolutely perfect. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's real mine as well. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, I loved it, but I didn't treat it as a masterpiece when I first watched it. Like it didn't hit me of how mm-hmm. like masterful it was immediately. It's so good. You can like screech almost any frame and it looks mm-hmm. like a poster. Like you oh, can yeah. anything. It's really cool. Uh, one of my favorite films of all time is Goodwill Hunting. Um, that's like my favorite yep. film. Like my top four films, like Good Will Hunting, Dead Post Society, The Avengers, and Princess Bride. Like, mm, like, that's I a good top them. four. I, right. I, I'm so happy with those top four. Um, and I think that all four of those are pretty much perfect films. But I want to talk about specifically why The Princess Bride is a perfect film to me. Because, mm. like, if you tell someone that I think it's perfect now, like, who, if they haven't seen it, like, what, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I know people have not seen the movie and like watching like, a trailer or see a poster like, it's, like this looks dumb and cheesy. It is dumb and cheesy, but in the best way. Is this a kissing yeah. book? It treats the idea of a, of a fairy tale story so earnestly and sincerely. It's like beautiful, mm-hmm. and it really is a bunch of genres, which is fantastic. Like it's adventure, romance, pirates, and action adventure. Uh, it is like comedy works so well in ways that it shouldn't work very well. Uh, there's like every line is so iconic. You can say at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not even because like the lines are um, perfect in like, the way they're written, but the way they're delivered is just so, so fun. Like the Battle of Wits, fantastic yep. scene. Uh, of that scene. <laughs> uh, I, I, you... That scene was like, it pops up on my TikTok just randomly every single time I watch it all the way through. Cause that, the Battle of Wits is so good. And I love Fezzik the Giant so much. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, Anigo Montoya, I quote him about once a week. Oh uh, yeah. Because I have to. It's so needed. Or just, as you wish, an iconic line. And it shouldn't be. But it's it, it's the way everyone does everything with such sincerity. that makes it work so well. Uh, oh, yeah. They're, it's cheesy, but they, they have this, like, X factor in it where you can tell that they actually care about the project and that they're putting a lot into it. And it does have this sincerity and earnesty to it that is really undeniable, even if you don't like the fantasy genre there's something about all of their performances that are you know yeah like billy crystal and his wife as uh as the the um like the medical people the revival workers right like uh miracle workers uh as they are and they their constant bickering back and forth while trying to revive a dead body is fantastic like mm. to blave oh he's not saying true love he's saying to blave it's to bluff to uh he's he's gambling he lost some money like it's just <laughs> They take moments that could have been a simple miracle worker reviving a body and like sling a sweet, 
But instead, let's throw in a, a marriage problems because it's funny. Mm. There's really small details that just work so well. And the director is a new girl as mm. Jess's dad. Yeah. Oh my god. I was I watched New Girl for the first time like last year. I binged all the way through it. And I saw the name Rob Reiner pop up in the credits. And I was like, the name sounds familiar. <laughs> and then I look it up and I'm like, wait, he was in the Princess Bride? Who is he? And I was like, he directed it. And then I'm like, oh my god, that's Rob Reiner. <laughs> yeah. I I it's a very, very good movie. And I remember when the lockdown happened and it was announced that Quibi was Quibi. remaking the Princess Bride. I was very worried <laughs> on multiple levels, but then it turned out that it was just like a, a whole movie version of it, just like with like tons and tons of celebrities playing all the different parts. I was just like, okay, that is that is a genius idea. And it was, I watched it, I got Quibi, not for that. Um, but when Quibi was alive, I had watched it. And it's very fun. I think you can find it all on YouTube now, I think. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is very enjoyable. I just, I'm shocked at how well put together it is for when it was made and the budget and like, the genres they're trying to accomplish it shouldn't have worked mm. but it's so beautiful so what is another movie masterpiece in your eyes um so another thing that makes me feel like a movie is a masterpiece is i i call it the post masterpiece stare it's when i finish a movie i'm just staring at the wall like holy <laughs> crap that was amazing uh <laughs> and there's so many like technical things that we could t- talk about about why a movie is amazing but sometimes it's just like a movie punches you in the gut and you're you just sit there in awe of it uh one of those is moonlight um that, that's probably i'd say moonlight dare i say the best film ever made that movie wow. i was so like stunned after i watched that movie and it just it's perfect in every way in my opinion yeah, that movie is phenomenal. I first watched it freshman year of college, then I watched it again junior year. First, I'm like, this is an eight. It's pretty great. But it didn't hit me again. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, once I've gone through more pain, I went through a, 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 two breakups in between watching it again. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and watching this sincere, tender love and this, like, this growing pain, I was like, as a whole, this movie is just, it's so beautiful. And it, we watched it, first time I watched it was for a class with him, actually. Uh, I love it. I first saw it after the after he won the Oscar for Best Picture with the whole uh, <laughs> fiasco. And at yeah. that time, like, I was still, like, getting into film. And I didn't, like, fully know, like, what makes films, like, work really well, what makes them, like, not work really well. And so I saw it, I was just like, okay, this is good. I like, I think the structure of it, I think it's neat. The three actors, I thought that's cool. But I didn't really, like, fully get it when I first uh, saw it. And then, you know, years pass, and I see it again for that class. And then I watch again, I think during the lockdown, I think. Um, yeah, I was just like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> now I really like it. <laughs> but it's weird when you can watch a movie multiple times and you can get like appreciating more details as you go on. Mm. Uh, what's, what's a movie masterpiece for you, Josh? Um, similar to you about just staring at a wall after the movie had ended. <laughs> it was very recent, actually, when I saw Everything Everywhere yes. All at Once. I was so I was bad. so blown away by that film with everything it did that after the film ended, that was the first time in a very long time that I was just like, oh my God, I've just seen something that will never be replicated again. Like everything about it from its performances to the effects, to the editing, how it's shot, to the story, to its themes and how it's all delivered is a masterpiece. So take um, a, Josh, take a guess. How many visual effects artists do you think were from the film? Um, I think I've heard him talk about that was a small... VFX company, I'm going to say 10 people. Five. 
five? Five artists in the entire film. Uh, you could argue wow. seven because directors also did some stuff themselves, but actual effects artists, five. What? <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Oh my God. But not, you have to watch it like, immediately. You have to watch it. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. The, the next time I have a day off, which is basically like three years from now, probably, <laughs> watching it. No, it is. I, 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 I'm hoping to watch it maybe this Sunday if I have time. Broke me the best way. Yeah. I've not seen a film as sincere as this in genuinely mm-hmm. heartwarming, like appreciating life in so many years. Yeah. At- Rock scene. I, I think the Daniels are a master at their craft. Um, like Swiss Army Man is another film that I'm oh. like, this is like almost near perfect, you know, despite like, you know, dead farting corpse, like boner magnet thing. Like it's purposefully supposed to be weird, but it's the deeper themes that are woven within it that make it what it is today. If people have not watched the movie, you're saying boner magnet thing, it's gonna sound really weird. Saying it with context is well, weird watching enough. the movie is gonna be weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One movie that made me stare blankly afterward was us that is a movie like the jordan peele's horror film us is i think probably my favorite horror film of all time and it's mm-hmm. because of the ending i'm not gonna spoil the ending but it does make you rethink the entire film when you're watching it yeah because well it's really really great until then too like it's so well done so well made it's comedic it's like great timing or anything the kills are fantastic the fear factor is there the entire time um and like the symbol, the deeper symbolism of it is fantastic with the hands on the world thing, fantastic. But the ending I wrote a paper on about how it makes you think about good and evil in the world and how deep it really goes and how there is no good and evil, like all these deep themes. Like this film deconstructs horror in a fantastic way. And I want mm-hmm. more films to be as bold as this. I think Jordan Peele is like one of the best auteurs of yes. the modern age. He and Get he's out. only made yeah, two movies. Like <laughs> what a flex honestly uh, but yeah i both get out and us were incredible um uh, nope is like i'd probably rank it in my top three most excited movies or the, you know weird. what i mean i don't know how to word that. it's you know weird I mean? though because the nope trailer and poster do not excite me but yeah. the movie itself is exciting me because i've loved the other two yeah it was so f- i'm sorry Go on. I, I was just gonna say it really excites me because it's kind of going back to the marketing for get out because like when that was marketed i didn't know what to think of the film like what it was trying to go for because i saw jordan peele was making it. i was just like but he does comedy right am i supposed to take this seriously am i not supposed to take it seriously yeah it's like he's going back to the ambiguity of that I'm like okay i'm trusting you on this you made two really good films i you, you got my trust here yeah i when they released the poster i saw the title was nope which is just so bold of a title and then I saw directed by Jordan Peele. I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm watching yep. this movie. You don't need to give me any any other advertisements. You don't even need to give me a trailer. I'm watching this movie the, the week it comes out, you know? Exactly. So what is another movie masterpiece for you? Um, another one I made a video on is Spirited Away. And uh, that movie is like literal magic. That, oh, it's one of those movies where like, you can talk about it all you want, but... It just you just need to experience it. If you haven't watched it, it's some it's an experience more than just watching a movie. No plot, just vibes. Yeah, literally. <laughs> it it was so funny because like what was it like a year, year ago, or so, a year or so ago? I watched it for the first time. He didn't give me really context or no. anything, and just mm-hmm. when I go into it, I'm like, okay. And then I see the pig parents. I'm just like, oh, we're doing this. Cool. Let's see what happens next. <laughs> and I remember 
when that scene happened, I said, it gets weirder, go with it. <laughs> yep. It's and it's so well put it shouldn't work. Mm. Like on paper, none of it makes sense. But it's you beautiful. Describe two different scenes from it, and people will be like, that's in the same movie. And you'll be <laughs> like, yes, it's in the same movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Chihiro is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, every character is so well done for it being like the story itself is actually really simple. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I didn't get it. Like I watched mm-hmm. it as a child numerous yeah. times. I'm like, this is cool, and I like it. My brother say it's great, so I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, but when I was an adult watching it, like I didn't watch it in years, so I watched it with you. I'm like, this is just like mind-blowingly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that watching it as a kid, like you, a lot of kids will enjoy it, and it's made through the eyes of a child. Uh, and I think that that childlike innocence is a big factor in the movie. But watching it as an adult with retrospective of your own childhood makes the movie more impactful somehow. Mm-hmm. I also love how anti-capitalist it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, lo- I love it. Uh, the themes of the movie are, like, about labor mm-hmm. and greed. And it's like, you're going this deep with, a, with this kid? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and a magic dragon. I want more films, more animated films, to be as bold as that was. Yeah. How don't hold kids' hands, just let it happen. And see how they react and feel. Mm-hmm. How about you, Josh? What's the next film for you? Uh, whew, I'm, I'm torn between just like which one to talk about next. Um, a lot of options. I know. Um, I think a movie that really, like really impacted me at a young age, despite like not knowing much about films, um, the perks of being a wallflower. Yep. I I saw that when I was 15. I was just like, oh, I'm feeling things right now. <laughs> Uh, it is so, it, it really is one of the few movies about teens that really understands what it is to be a teen and like just going, Ezra Miller. going through all these things. And yes, despite all of Ezra Miller's things that have happened recently, uh, their performance is um, one of the standouts of that film. But I think Logan Lerman's performance in that is amazing. And just, it's so subtle in so many ways, but like from the way that it's written to how it's directed, it's, it's so good. I it's got it. Katara in it, Mae Whitman. Oh, okay. I, I have not seen it, actually, so I'm definitely adding that to my list. Yeah, Mae Whitman is one of the leads in it, and she's fantastic. Oh, okay. Uh, it's got Emma Watson, Mae Whitman, Logan Lerman, and Ezra Miller as the four leads. Also, Paul Rudd is their teacher. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, already got, you already got me watching. It is the best coming-of-age film I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it is, like, it's one of my ten, like, kind of tens letterbox, and it's one of the films I keep debating. Do I put it in my four favorites? But I keep thinking, what would I kick out? None of them. I can't remove <laughs> yeah. Avengers, Princess Bride, Death Society, or Good Will Hunting like, for this film. Yeah. Like another coming of age film, kind of uh, high school film that I think doesn't get enough credit, honestly, is The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's like, oh, it's so love and stuff, but it's like damn near perfect. Yeah. If they didn't do the makeover on the, uh, the basket case, I think it'd be phenomenal. Like, like there'd be no flaws to it to me because that goes against some of the themes of the film to me. But other than that, really good job for the budget they have and for yeah. literally using one location, that's it. And like there's seven people in the cast total, I think. Yes. Yeah. Or is it? It's no, it's the Walker's parents. That's right. There's parents that get some kids. Well, like the main cast. There's, yeah, six main cast then. And it's so well done. John Hughes does a mm-hmm. great job. Um, I like it more than Ferris Bueller personally, but... I think if you've not seen Breakfast Club, first of all, how have you missed this film for the best amount of time? 
but also like if you want to see a good chemistry in a, in a small cast this is like the way to watch that mm -hmm. um like it didn't leave me in awe or anything but there's few films i think are just so well put together for what it is that it gets the perfect status to me mm -hmm. gotcha. i saw it when i was like a kid uh, i need to watch it's it worth watching it it does seem you bring it up and I'm like I need to rewatch that now because like I liked it then but I feel like I appreciate it a lot more now. Most films work better as adults, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is a perfect film for me, and I think it's partially nostalgia and just like personal personal connection. But I'm gonna say Jurassic Park because that movie is what got me interested in filmmaking mm -hmm. because after I watched that. I was probably like six or seven or whatever. I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I'm going to watch every single special features on this movie and article written about this movie and uh, all the ways that they did special effects in it. And just learning about that, the animatronics and then versus the CGI and how they did that sparked my interest in the process of making films. So like the filmmaking itself, rather than just enjoying uh, watching it uh so that is a really important movie for me because it sparked my interest in filmmaking i first watched that in 3d in a theater when i was like 11 or something wow and that was a cool experience i don't really like 3d that much but like overall like this is really cool um i don't know if it's masterpiece to me or not i think it probably is but i don't i never rated it because i haven't watched <laughs> in years it's certainly better than jurassic world fallen kingdom <sighs> <laughs> the new one has a cool premise it does but you guys sit through a terrible sequel to get to that cool premise <laughs> i've only seen jurassic park and jurassic world i've not seen anything else I've not seen jurassic the, park the second and third jurassic parks aren't like works of movie magic but they're enjoyable the, that first film is magical yeah it is so well done mm -hmm. um also great child actors like it's yeah to get that mm -hmm. i do think that that is I'm going to give a lot of credit to Spielberg that in that, because I think he is one of the best directors to work with children, like what mm -hmm. he did with E.T. And like some of this behind the scenes stuff, seeing how he talks to the children and just the like set, you know, uh, experience that he has for them. I think he brought a really great performance out of them, not to like, you know, take any of the credit mm -hmm. away from them. Of course they did. They're the ones that did it, but I do think that Spielberg is a great director for children. Great director, period, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only for kids. <laughs> it is also one of the rare films that, on a surface level, you don't think it was a horror film, but it definitely is a horror yeah. film. Mm -hmm. And it, it incites fear in like every scene, so well built together. Jurassic World is not as good. No. No. Uh, <laughs> quarrels with Jurassic World. Uh, I did go on the Jurassic World ride, though, at Universal. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. I, Probably better I, than the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. How about you, Josh? What's next? Um, I guess I'll go for the film that really, like, really cemented like that film was going to be my path. Um, and that for me is Whiplash. I, that, that for me, I was just like, oh, this is what film is. Oh, now I get the hype behind <laughs> it. But I fell in love with it. And like, I was a band kid. And so when I saw that, it really spoke to, a lot to me about everything in that film. But like even just going back and rewatching, I'm like, God damn it! This this writing, this directing, the acting—it's all—it's so well done. I watched that I think maybe 20 times within like two weeks when I first saw it. It became my personality for a bit, but uh, I I love it to this day. It is it's one of my favorite films of all time. 
It's really good. It is really, really good. Uh, J.K. Simmons yelling at Miles Teller <laughs> is fantastic because Miles Teller has a douchey, punchable face. So yeah. I'd love to yell at him some, honestly. And he made Reed Richards even worse to me. So that's upsetting. I think Whiplash is another one of those movies where, like, every part of the filmmaking process is done well. Like, the music is amazing. The editing is great. The performances is great. Cinematography is great. I think it all works in tandem together. Yeah, and, like, it's uh, every scene it's, it's works so well to either push the story forward or to, sh- or to show the character's internal, like, struggles. Because, like, there's a dinner scene in it that at first I never really got. Um, and it's, like, um, how he sees himself as what he does is important, but no one else in his family understands or sees that as important. Because, like, they're complaining about, like, you know, like, oh, your cousin's football career. Like, look at how well it's going. He's just like, yeah, but they're in junior league in college. They're not going to go anywhere. They'll be, like, you know, working in an office as an accountant in, like, five years. But I'm going to be one of the greatest musicians of all time. But none of you understand it. I'm like, damn, that's great. It gives very much Jesse Eisenberg in Social Network vibes in that mm-hmm. first scene. Mm-hmm. It's definitely really well done. And it's meant to who his character is very fast. Yeah. Or like the scene when he uh, breaks up with his girlfriend and the reasons he gives behind it. Um, here's one I don't. I think we should save for a different time entirely. And that's, I don't think it's enough time to talk about how great Lord of the Rings is on here. No, yeah. I think we much all agree unanimously. Masterpiece. Yes. Films. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so horrible. I know you're a big Lord of the Rings fan yourself, Sinjin. Yes, I am. So I, I know we plan in the future doing episode about Lord of the Rings. You should hop back on and talk about Lord of the Rings then. Because yeah. we have a lot to say, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, go on. I, I made a movie masterpieces on TikTok for the first two, and I'm gonna do one on the third one. I just wanted to break it up a little bit, and not right. just have three videos in a row be that. But uh, honestly, all three of them are just so amazing, and I, I do view them as one big story, pretty much. And I don't necessarily rank all three of them just because I think they're all work in their own way. Mm-hmm. I can't even like comprehend how good they are. <laughs> For me, I think the third one is the best, but the first is my favorite. Mm. I like having them all together. It's fun yeah. fellowship. I last year uh, on for its 20th anniversary, the Alamo Draft House uh, put them all back in theaters to watch them all, and I seeing it in theaters just blew my mind because like because when it, they came out, we were infants, like we couldn't have seen them in theaters. So getting that chance, like I was just like, oh my god, these films are so good. What the fuck? Well, I want to mention for next nice masterpiece animated films because I thought animated films don't ever get enough credit, and that's specifically Wally. And Inside Out, I think are both perfect films. Mm-hmm. I have no qualms with either of those. I need to give Wally another watch. I haven't seen it in years, just seeing it all the way through. But I remember liking it. But as a kid, I was just like, "What? What's this film doing? Like, it's a cute robot, but like, what's it doing?" Um, but then, like, Inside- <laughs> what is love? <laughs> then Inside Out is one of those. I, I saw it when I was fifteen. I was just like, "Ah, I'm feeling things again." <laughs> watch Inside Out right after a breakup. And I felt things. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Inside Out three times in the span of a month. And that was interesting. I, it's the only movie I've ever seen my dad openly saw that. And like, he is uh, in his 60s. And it's like, Bing Bong is what got him. Yeah. Uh, oh, Bing Bong gets everybody. And like, because oh. he's, so he was sitting there next to his oldest son and his youngest son. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is just pain. <laughs> but Wally specifically, the visual storytelling in the first like 40 minutes are beautiful. The, the dancing in the sky is so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, the only thing that's weird about the movie is they have an actual live action cameo in the movie from the, the president. Yeah. It is live action and it's really weird. 
It is weird. I don't know why they do that. Um, and all the flow similarity because we can talk about this forever. I think we all agree. Last Jedi is pretty fucking amazing. I knew it was great. I kind of went with the internet's complaints about Finn's and Rose's story, like on the casino planet, whose name I keep forgetting, that just kind of like broke up the pacing. Then rewatching, I'm just like, it doesn't break up the pacing though, and it's necessary. What is with the internet? I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's 10 to me. When I first watched it, I remember coming out of the theater and telling my girlfriend, like, that's the best Star Wars film. And then like the week after I was looking online, I was like, oh, I'm the only one that has this opinion. <laughs> I, uh, I guess I should change that. And then I, I went through like a month or two phase where I was like, oh, maybe The Last Jedi isn't that good. And then I kind of had this reawakening, like, wait a second. No, <laughs> I did like this movie. Why am I letting these people dictate how I feel? I watched my first date ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone and they're like that's fine i'm like i love that <laughs> and then i'm like the more i thought i'm like well the internet is like i was like 17 the internet can change mine a little bit at the time yeah exactly and i'm like i don't know is it great i'm like yeah, i like it a lot so i don't have any problem i like i like luke still in this what Sarah hit him i don't know and then <laughs> for years i'm like i think it's great and but i don't think it's like the number one yet mm-hmm. but I, I, didn't, I, didn't ha- one now. I didn't have a number one at the time oh yeah it's for me too now but, and then I kept putting it as like an eight or nine for years. Mm-hmm. And then this rewatch, I'm like, fuck it. I had no problems with it. It's a 10. Yeah. So what is uh, another masterpiece in your eyes? One that I think is probably one of the best sci-fi movies ever made, Arrival. Ooh. Yes. Yep. Love Arrival. And that was one of those movies where like, I was like, oh, Denny Villeneuve, I've heard some good things about him. Have no idea what the movie's about and just threw it on. And then, like, two hours later, I was like, oh, oh, my God, I need to watch that again. I don't know what just happened. And then I watched it, like, the next day again. I was like, I kind of know a little bit more, but I'm still confused, but I still think it's amazing. And I've seen it three times now, and every single time it's still I've seen amazing. it once all the way through. I watched it in, in my English class in, like, junior year of high school. Um we we're talking about like language and how it can change and manipulate and stuff. We watched the movie and we had we to watch, we had to then write a review. Once that, that ending hits you, it's like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> All of time and language. Is, okay. What yeah. uh, I, I desperately want to rewatch it. Um, I, the only Denny films I've seen are that in Dune. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Dune again because I am so mixed on Dune. I know you love Dune. Mm-hmm. It, my mind goes it's okay it's great it's terrible all mixed together yeah i don't know where i stand on dune yeah but arrival just blew me away mm-hmm. and i one of my like random interests is linguistics i love watching videos and like reading stuff on it and i watched arrival like after i was finished uh reading this thing about changing your perception on language and that it's not just words and that it's more just portraying concepts and I thought that was really interesting and then like the next day I watched Arrival and it, it couldn't have been more perfectly timed right. with that movie Josh thoughts on Arrival uh absolutely love it I've actually only seen it one time but I've owned it for years and I'm like I need to rewatch this and for some reason I don't but like there's so much of the movie that has constantly just stuck in my brain and has never left um like the opening alone like is just perfect and then the ending when I finally got I was just like oh my god that's so cool (laughs) also we have Lois Lane and Hawkeye in it so that's fun Mm -hmm. um 
Josh, how about you? What's another one? Uh, I'll go for another uh, Denny film. Um, and that's uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good for you. <laughs> Look, we talked about it, about Arrival, so it was going to happen. Um, but that, to me, I think is better than the first film, which I know is a controversial controversial thing to say. Words. Yes, words are hard. Everything from not just a technical standpoint, but from its story to its characters to how it's directed, mm-hmm. it is unlike any other sci-fi But Jared Leto's in it. You know, surprisingly, that doesn't destroy the film. Well, I thought it was when I first saw it. It doesn't, which is a weird thing. He's not That's what I hear so much is that Jared Leto does, somehow doesn't ruin the whole movie. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll check it out. If you want an actual good performance of Jared Leto, I know it's hard to say, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, yeah, Dallas good Buyers Club is good. But, but yes, and I think that for you, for finding your love for Dune, um, I, think, I think you need to see... <laughs> I think you need to see Blade Runner 2049. I um, think I need to see the other half of the movie first. Okay, see, in, see the first film also. The first film is good as well. No, and, I'm saying part two of Dune will give me more love for Dune. Yes. Because watching half movie to me, I can't know if I have a feel of the whole movie yet because it's part mm-hmm. one, two. Aside from that, though, <laughs> Blade Runner 2049, I've been telling you for years you need to watch it. It is very, very good. I love good movies. Denny... I like his visual style a lot. Oh my mm. god, it's so good! Like twenty forty nine, my it brain is going back to it. It did blind me in Dune in watching a Dolby from bright sands to dark room, constantly back and forth. But other than that, it was very pretty. When I watched Dune in theaters, the theater that I went to isn't the greatest, and the lights like didn't turn all the way down. Oh it. no! So a lot of the dark scenes, I just could not tell what happened in a lot of them and i'm like did it did a character just die then like i feel like what's going on and then it's like bright stand again i'm like i don't know what just happened i could just give for perfect films all that good right but i'll give one specifically and that is uh scott pilgrim versus the world oh yeah oh my god every mm-hmm. piece of that film comes together beautifully yeah every scene is memeable first off it's so well put together. The visual language of the film is insane. Mm. Like, what is real, what's not, doesn't matter. Yeah. And I love that. One of my favorite things in the entire movie is simply just the, um, first off, vegan police. But specifically, there's a moment where it's the way Edgar Wright shoots his visual stories, uh, storytelling. It's, or, what's, what's the character's roommate's name? What's the roommate's name? Doesn't <sighs> matter. Uh, Kieran Culkins is the actor. So, uh, Knives comes up the door and it's, <laughs> Hey, is Scott here? Break through the window. Just <laughs> left. And it's fantastic. I, that's yeah, my that favorite seems- of the film. Um, but I think my favorite section of the film is uh, Chris Evans. Every- <laughs> Lucas Lee. Yes. Lucas Lee. Uh, and it's solely because I've seen him as Captain America now. So to see him just do a complete 180 and be this ultra douche, it's so funny to me. And the fact that he came out like literally, is it the same year? Or a year apart? A year apart. A year apart, yeah. So he was shooting Captain America as this was coming out. And that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I love Scott Pilgrim. I love um, if you. I know people I know hate Scott's character. I'm like, yes, that's the point. He's yeah. the person. I um, think Michael Sarah was perfectly cast in that. Movie absolutely. So I love that you get told how much you look like him. And I think it's hilarious to me. Oh yeah. In your comments. <laughs> Do you see it at all? I see it a little bit, Do you but. See it? It's a little bit like in your in like how your face is structured, but like not like overall. Like no. I don't see my yeah. Sarah. Um, I think you sound more like him than you than you look. Yeah, I think that's fair. But you guys seen School of Rock, right? 
I've not. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah, same. Okay, well, this will be quick. Jack Black's roommate in it, Ned Schliebly, uh, I was just told I look like him, and it, it's not flattering. <laughs> I know <laughs> that one kind of hurt me when I when I was told I look like Ned Schliebly. But I think one of the best parts of Scott Bergman was also, you punched the highlights out of her hair. <laughs> you punched the highlights out of her hair. And that can work and make sense in this insane plot. Yeah. Also, it has Captain Marvel, Superman, Captain America. Yeah. Like a bunch of future superheroes are in this film. So well done. So one of my favorite new directors right now is Robert Eggers. I love both The Witch and The Lighthouse. And I'm so excited for The Northman. I'm seeing it next week. So I, I know a lot of people put The Lighthouse over The Witch. But I personally like The Witch more than The Lighthouse, but I think they're both great. So I'm going to say The Witch. All Have right. you seen it? I've seen neither. He's seen both. I've I've seen The Lighthouse. I love it. Um, I still ha- I've seen I think the first like water. 20 minutes or so of The Witch, mm-hmm. and from what I've seen, I really love the style and the atmosphere of it. I still need to finish it though. But I've heard great yeah. things of it. It it is really incredible. I think that it's a little more accessible than The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse yeah. is very uh, you know out there and. Yeah. Similar to the lighthouse, they do t- they talk in that like 1700s, or I know lighthouse was like eight, late 1800s. It's, it's a very specific dialect they speak. In yeah, the well, at the end of the film, they actually say that they constructed the dialogue based off of like writings from Puritans during that time, so it's accurate to that. Um, so I suggest watching it with subtitles on, or it might yeah. be a little hard. Uh, I cannot remember the actor's name, but the actor that plays the dad in it has this incredible deep voice mm-hmm. that is just so amazing to listen to, even though he like he's kind of scary in it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the visual styles that Robert makes in these movies is phenomenal. Uh, I know A24 horror movies can get a lot of slack for being a little overly pretentious. And Robert can be a little pretentious <laughs> with his, I'll admit that, but I'm okay with this level of pretentiousness. I, I love that on the poster for The Northman, it, Robert Eggers has written down there three times on every poster. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, a little pretentious, a little egotistical, but like, sure, why not? I'm going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have not seen any of those films yet. I desperately want to watch the lighthouse i i wanted to show him the lighthouse before the batman just to get him a different perspective on robert pattinson yeah i only pattinson films so far have been good time the batman and uh harry potter Mm -hmm. he's good in all of them yeah yeah Yeah. it's uh it's interesting to see robert pattinson in the lighthouse um (laughs) and i've seen the dancing scene around the table yeah that's a weird scene that doesn't even begin no i know i've still seen some pretty crazy one of film moments now, like clips from. Mm-hmm. He goes insane, it looks like in that movie. Oh, yes. But uh, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse is, it's so incredible how good his performance is and that I love him in The Lighthouse. I love him, period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another one that's off the top of my head would be um, Greg Gerwig's Little Women. I love that film so much. I've never seen any version of Little Women before. I never read the book. So I went in pretty blind and I just heard it was good. I'm like, I, I guess I'll go see this. And halfway through, I'm just like bawling my eyes out. I'm like, why is this affecting me so much? 
it's so immaculately crafted the way the narrative plays out but not just that the performances the characters it's all done so 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 well i love it so much i have only watched the 90s one and i've seen it on stage and i also just know the story beforehand also the show friends references it and nick joe you're very sad if you watch friends um but I, I love the 94 one with Winona Ryder and Kristen Dunst. This one will probably top that. Oh, it's, I, the story itself is fantastic. I think Greta Gerwig is a good director. Lady Bird is fantastic. This is one of those movies. It's like one of my roommate's favorite movies. And he keeps telling me to watch it. And it's like at the top of my watch list. I'm like, I want to watch it. I just have never watched it yet. But it's very high up. I also liked um, Lady My Bird, watch so. list is huge. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one that really surprised me by how much I loved it, and that's where the wild things are. Yeah. Spike mm-hmm. Jones, who also made her also beautiful film. Mm-hmm. He also was a producer on Jackass. Not just a producer, he I also wrote that. some of the things they did on Jackass, and not just from when it started, up to the most recent movie that just came out. And when I saw that produced by credit, when I saw Jackass Forever, I kind of died a little bit inside. I don't know. It was very weird. But where the wild <laughs> things are is a movie that is, if you've read the children's book, like a 10 page book, the book mm-hmm. is meant to be a deal with themes of like identity and anger and like these hard emotions as a child. And like, they're your wild things, you're all your emotions and helping control yourself mm-hmm. and all that and go on top of it. But this movie <laughs> broke me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sobbing when not expecting to cry at all. Yeah, like, this looks like a cute film, whatever. And there's moments there's just like, uh, there's lines like, I'm Max, and then one of the wild things, is like, huh. That's it? That's not very much, is it? I'm like, oh, God, the smallest moments break me so much here. Yeah. Not very much. Oh, no. You <laughs> just made him think about his entire identity in one line. Good job, Spike. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful movie. It's so fascinating and wondrous. And the way that they all interact is it's so well. Like, watching childhood depicted on screen like this rarely happens where it feels like this ethereal time where nothing feels completely real or, or alive yet. It, uh, watch this movie. Yeah. Spike Jones. Cool. Spike Jones has such this like idiosyncratic style that's like really interesting. And uh, I've seen her being John Malkovich and where the wild things are. And they're just, they're really interesting. And they're so, they seem to take these, very abstract concepts or very like high concepts that aren't don't seem like they would translate very well into a film but he somehow makes it work and honestly adapting where the wild things are is such a ballsy move like I wouldn't know how to adapt that into a movie but he did it and it's incredible yeah I saw this in theaters when I was I think I think I was nine when it came out I did not get it at all because uh, I thought it was going to be like the book, like very simple and not complex. And like, I didn't get at all what it was going for. And I, it also like creeped me out a bit at certain times. And I was yep. just like, I'm, I'm not liking this experience. Then I go back and I watch it like a year ago. I'm just like, oh, now I get it. It wasn't really made for children to see because they won't get it at all. Well, it's yeah. the book itself is also really complex, but then children to see the shallow monsters. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, yeah, the, I had the same reaction. I watched it when it came out in like 2009 Nine. or something. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched it like a few years ago again. And it, it just like clicked. And I was like, oh, my God. 
great film. And Sinjin, do you have a last one to say before we move on to the next topic? Sure. I um, So this might go. not be a universal masterpiece, but as someone who is a huge fan of horror, yep, I, I, think, say. I, I think, see, there's two that I think are a masterpiece. There's Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think both of them are masterpieces in their own right. I'm going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre okay. because I feel like it gets more of a bad rap than it deserves. I think people think it's much more, you know, brutal and like disturbed. It is disturbing, but <laughs> much more bloody and gory and grueling than it actually is. But I think the reason people think that is because the filmmaker did such a good job with it. Toby Hooper shot it so well. There's actually like one scene with blood in it. There's not a lot of blood. There's not a lot of gore in it. Uh, there's one scene where Leatherface cuts himself on the leg. And I'm pretty sure that's the only scene with like a lot of blood in it. There, it's surprisingly tame, but it's just shot in this very like, it blends like art house cinematography with like um, documentary shooting. So it makes it feel like it's a real event. And it says based on true events, eh, not really, but it's this documentary style makes it feel like they're documenting this insane event that happened and i think stylistically it's one of the best it is arguably the best horror movie ever made okay i've not seen it have you seen the new one netflix's new movie yes <laughs> I, I have did it upset have. you yes it, made, <laughs> it, it upset me <laughs> the, the trailer was enough for me to be like yeah, no, I already can tell this is going to be bad. Yeah. So I know you also love the first Halloween. Yes. We don't love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be wrong. I, I, have, <laughs> I have mixed feelings on it. But we, watched I it for, we watched it for the, the first time together or the first time or no? That was my first time seeing it all the way through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, we watched it around Halloween. But, like, I can see, like, the craft behind it. And, yeah. Like, it's, it's how you got it, especially in today's time like when you have so many amazing horror films that have been made since then you kind of have to go with the perspective of seeing like when it came out that was the first of its kind and how much it influenced mm-hmm. everything else that came after it um yeah. and i think we kind of viewed it more from the today perspective right. of it and so i think the next time we go through we kind of had to turn that part of our brain off and turn yeah. it on just like look at it for what it is um oh, but- i was trying to do that i was just not scared enough like mm-hmm. i didn't think the theater factor was there strong enough for me Mm-hmm. Um, I could think if I was in a theater in when it came out, I didn't be a lot scarier. But like in general, first off, I, I know John Carpenter wrote the score for it, but using the same score the entire time mm-hmm. really pulled me out. Like the same, yeah, the same few chords, like the entire time. Like okay, it reminded me of Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Wonder Woman theme that was constantly used of the chanting. Yeah. Okay, take a second. Any other notes, please? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it's a bit dated for sure, but yeah. it's still well made. Yeah. I think that one of the things going for me and why I like it so much is it was the first horror movie I ever saw. And I was probably like eight or nine when I saw it. So I think that has an influence on why sure. I love it so much. Because it was like my first introduction into the horror genre. And it was also a lot of people in the 70s introduction into the horror genre. So I think that's why it doesn't feel as dated. And I last Halloween, I showed it to my fiance and she hated it. She was like, that was, that was stupid. Uh, Michael Myers isn't scary. He just 
he just walks at people like just walk faster than him <laughs> and I'm like, like my thing is also yes. like you're clearly teleporting <laughs> more Halloween kills. oh my god he teleports so much to Halloween kills <laughs> I will say that this that original Halloween a lot better than Halloween kills but Halloween kills I think my Halloween kills I think is more fun to watch for me is that a good thing I don't know I hate Halloween kills so much it's not good I gave it half a star on Letterboxd. That movie made me irrationally angry in the theater. See, I think Halloween Kills is a great comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. If I hear Evil Dies Tonight one more time, Evil I dies. think my brain's going to explode. Oh my I'm gosh. Shoot him in the head so at the end. That might help you a bit. Um, I, we actually did an episode of podcast about Halloween Kills specifically because we just watched, we watched the first Halloween, then we watched 2018 Halloween, and then we watched that one like mm-hmm. in the span of a week. Or I think three days, or whatever. I'm like, I love 2018's Halloween so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's the best of the sequels, I'd say. It, I think it is a, an amazing. What's weird to me is I'm not loving any of the films, like absolutely loving them individually, but like now I'm kind of obsessed with the lore of Michael Myers, mm-hmm. and I want to dive into the weirdness that like, like him and Laurie Strode's whole dynamic. That's it nonsense. Uh, yeah, I know. I did a lot of research into it because for the podcast, I was I talked the timelines and how mm-hmm. it's so confusing and it's- muddled. <laughs> Weird. You need a graph in order to understand the Halloween. I drew a chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> flow, flow chart for it. Um, yeah, I can understand that being a masterpiece though. The first one, I definitely can. It's just for me, I don't think it, it doesn't hit me as hard as I think it would want it to. Yeah. Also, the idea of this, this he doesn't look intimidating in the mask in that movie to me. Just that mask, there's a jumpsuit like this wobbling yeah. around. Well, I have a theory that he doesn't know how to drive or how, I mean, how, how to reverse. Because in all of the movies, he's in a car. He never goes backward. Mm-hmm. He just stops and goes forward again, loops around because he can't drive backwards. He never I mean, learned how. He never went to driver's head. Right. So I get it. <laughs> Going like, forward, he's backwards. He's just like, how do I go back? How do I go back? I just <laughs> <laughs> That's our podcast today, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, Sinjin, where can we all find you? Uh, so on TikTok, it's Sinjin underscore Chapman. And then on YouTube, it's Sinjin space Chapman crazy crazy <laughs> um and you also can all email in the show at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet us at geekspeakpod or hashtag geekspeakpod we will reply to all your comments questions concerns if you just want to bully us that's fine we'll respond to it on the podcast in a very kind way and thanking you all i'm not agreeing to the bullying i will bully you anyway josh i'm not agreeing to this. <laughs> um and you can find josh where uh, TikTok at Rudy underscore the film nerd, YouTube, uh, Josh Rudolph. Every place he has a platform on is a different name because it's all started at random different times. <laughs> uh, I am on TikTok, that nerd theater. I am on Instagram, that nerd theater. On Twitter, I'm the theater nerd because that nerd theater couldn't fit. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and watch the, these amazing films I mentioned earlier. Go check out these films. If you want to hear more about movie masterpieces, Sinjin has a whole series on it on his TikTok. Go check that out. Thank you. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.